a bunch of uh, new tracks on tracks on tracks on tracks for the album we're working on for summer like the season the band that uh, we play in uh, you know we play music and we tour around the country and we sacrifice our lives to it on a altar um, we recorded some drums a lot of drums we recorded the triangle uh, the best triangle overdub you've ever heard. Yes, and I learned the banjo. In you, you learned banjo. I and learned you banjo, banjo. I played ban- banjo. Learn banjo. Play banjo. Um, cool. I'm Summer Krinsky, and I'm Scott Murphy. This is I don't heart radio, and this could be your next favorite band. Today we're going to talk about Old Fire. You're trying to make me sad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This music, I mean, okay, go ahead. Yeah, introduce. It's it's beautiful and it is incredibly sad. It's on purpose. Uh-huh. That is the the point of this album, is like, how sad can we get? And uh, it's it's accomplished it. Uh, it kind of gave me. I was just talking to someone about. I don't because it's not in the same exact world as it, but. I, of sad music with the man singing some sad stuff to me, it gave me some like Johnny Cash. Oh yeah, I, I mean I love love love, love Johnny Johnny Cash, Cash especially yeah. the sad Johnny Cash. So that's um so that's that's where this gets pretty interesting. So Old Fire is the project of uh, John Mark Lapham, mm-hmm. and they're doing all of the the music and the arranging and the programming, the mixing, the sound design. And then he's collaborating with vocalists. So on the single that's out, uh, which is Don't You Go, um, that's Bill Callahan, who is one of my favorite musicians. Oh, yeah, you're a big fan. Huge fan. Uh, Which I think, so Bill Callahan has that Johnny, like, definitely has the Johnny Cash-like timbre and register. Did you almost say Johnny Depp? (laughs) No, I almost said Johnny Tash, which is just nothing. (laughs) So... No, I I didn't get pilled on the Johnny Depp stuff. Uh-huh. Like you won't even that just like blah, right blooped right through me. Uh-huh. Don't care. And I'm a very pillable person. Right. But that that didn't get me. Okay. Untouched. Okay. I was just gonna. I'm I'm Johnny Tash pilled. Johnny Tash. Johnny Tash. Making an, making an appearance into the world via your head, through your mouth. Now we, you've infected all of the listeners with Johnny Tash. Bill Callahan is a lot like Johnny Tash okay. in the in the delivery and uh-huh. everything. That is a that's a very apt comparison. Uh, but yeah, Bill Call- Callahan, decades of experience at this point. Uh, started as Smog was you know he operated under that moniker, and then he just graduated into you know what I'm an adult. I'll just call myself my own name, which is <laughs> Bill Callahan. And I do have to say. There's a very, very short list of people who are big deals that I have done sound for, and they've been nice. And Bill Callahan is one of them. Yeah. It's uh, it's Namdi and Bill Callahan. Everyone else? That's not, not everyone else. No, I think, I mean, <laughs> no, 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 no. Not everyone else that I've ever done sound for. Everyone that's famous. Famous. Really? Because I feel like my experience is the, the more famous most of the time, the more professional. 
I I have the occasional, you know. Yeah. I did a lot of monster work. Right. Okay, anyway. Yeah. So Bill Callahan's very nice. So Bill Callahan's oh, so on nice. this album? Yeah, so he's doing guest vocals on a lot of these tracks. Looks like uh one, two, three, three or four tracks on Voids has vocals by Bill Callahan, which I think is enough to get people like hyped on this record. Yeah. There should be uh there should be a like a thousand faces of support. Uh, and currently it's sitting at uh, eight. So this is become a face. way too underappreciated uh-huh. right now. And it is Voids by Old Fire. And you got to hop on this right now. It's going to come out officially in November. Now, do you think Old Fire is related to smog? Like when the fire has become old, it gets smoggy? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> As this is a, a separate man's project. Right, but he's yeah. got the other man. They're just two sad men that like Johnny Cash a lot. I mean, <laughs> Johnny I'm just Tash. a sad lady that likes Johnny Tash, right, right. of course. We're all just Tash stands uh-huh. here. So that's the, uh, this project is, uh, I- I'm just going to read his copy because it's really good. Okay, yeah. You know, sometimes people can write. And it's nice. Yeah. All right. Great. So share what he has to say. On Voids, composer and producer John Mark Lapham turns his recording project Old Fire into a sprawling mural illustrating the isolation and decay that defined growing up in West Texas. Cool. <laughs> so, uh, and, and West Texas. Yeah. We've all gonna... driven through it. Is West Texas the the like area where you always worry that you're going to run out of gas. Yes. Yeah, so okay, when you tour the country, like every band, it's like a lore that you're going to run out of gas between El Paso and Phoenix? Is that the No, no, no. no. El Paso to Phoenix is Arizona. That's the other... El Paso to Austin. That's the That's tr- the Okay, stretch. there's two stretches. There's two stretches. <laughs> there's two In all of us there are two stretches. Stretches of gasless land. <laughs> where you and you're in the desert and yeah. you don't want to be stranded. Oh, you know, if you're stranded, you you're dead. Yeah. Um okay, so this is the other chunk. The the big the Texas chunk. Um okay, wait, wait, wait. So where do you, where where in West Texas did he Abilene. I don't even know it. Yeah, it's it's kind of in uh, uh you know like it's around the Marcus Parks I was going to say land. how far is that from Lubbock? Marcus Park? Lubbock, yeah. I mean, I know I'm not supposed to Google on podcast, but let's find out. All right, so Abilene is two hours from Lubbock. Okay. Which is so that's my my touchstone of like Texas dirt land. Uh-huh. And it's pretty close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So we've probably driven past this. We've driven yeah. through Abilene for sure. It's on the way to Dallas. Uh-huh. So and I kind of grew up in Nowhere dirt land, just like further up North, North Dakota. Dakota. So I know the feeling of how sad that makes a person when that's like your identity. I live here in the dirt. Cool. And I think that it's sonically translating. Uh-huh. I mean, it feels barren and like yearning for something. So- Oh, and something and the, to show the up song on the horizon. Is called, uh, the single that's out right now, the single is Don't You Go. Like, 
please don't leave me in the dirt. I know, and I think it's like father to son. Mm. Don't you go, son. Yeah. Like, I, I've, I raised you in the dirt, and we've got the dirt together uh-huh. on our dirt farm. <laughs> Please don't leave me. I know that there's stuff other than dirt out in the world, but the dirt is what we've got. Did you have that when you wanted to leave the dirt? No. <laughs> <laughs> like, get the fuck out of here. Well. There's two ways to leave the dirt. Right. <laughs> so, you know, growing up in West Texas, the losses and frictions that he's endured amid such a bleak backdrop. Again, mm-hmm. this is this is their copy. Yeah. They know what they're doing. Uh, this is a largely collaborative album. Uh, Voids has uh, Bill Callahan, Emily Cross, Adam Torres, and Julia Holter doing vocals. And then uh, a billion like instrumentalists that are all also super super accomplished. The uh, uh, it focuses on you know growing up seared by the West Texas sun. Uh, over the last five years, he lost both of his parents, mm-hmm. mourned two withering relationships. And shouldered the fallout of the pandemic. Wait, sorry, two withering relationships? Yeah, were they at the same time, Mark? Maybe. <laughs> Wait, was it like wither, wither, new relationship, wither? Well, it's five or... years. Okay. So that's possible. That's doable. Yeah. You could speed run some withering. Yeah, it's like a few years wither, a few years wither. But then you're feeling the wither. Now you both have withered and you're you're like a zoom out. You're like, wow, that was two back-to-back withers. Those are two withers uh-huh. in a row. Yeah. Rough, Mm -hmm. dried up in the sun. Okay. But he took those experiences and then took those rusted out scraps and built the album from the ground up. Yeah, I mean, any any, uh, album that has parent loss is always a hard but beautiful listen. I mean, I was re-listening to some... Sufjan, yeah, and Lowell, and I can, oh, yeah. Even though this is a different sound than that, there's a similar just the, the same, same, like the same spiritual center, spiritual sadness. Of yeah, what you can hear it's coming from a similar place, and so it's, yeah, those were kind of the I had both touchstones in my head, Johnny Tash, of course, and right, <laughs> and, and Sufjan. Sufjan, yeah. Oh, well, that gave me goosebumps even thinking about it. I mean, that is how powerful this album is yeah or or i believe that it will be there's only one single out right now but again go listen to it get real it's that good sad oh so we're hyping it before we only there's only the one song that we listen to one song okay that's all that exists cool uh so it will be 12 tracks it's called void and when is it dropping november all right this is november when do we know we do know can you pre-save it you can pre-save it you can pre-order it uh, November fourth. I don't know how if people understand how much that does. It for matters you. so much. If you pre-save people's albums, um, w- like it it gives them the ability to use those stats to book venues, to get you know label or press on their sides. There's just like the power of the pre-save, and then it goes straight to everyone that's pre-saved it. Uh, you know it. it it in, it also it increases your chances of getting like officially playlisted and stuff like that. That's exactly. What, yeah, that's yes. what they're looking at. Yes. So yeah, go pre-save this, pre-order it. 
give them money, send them a nice note. <laughs> I hope you're feeling okay. Uh, then in the next, this is like the best Bandcamp copy I've seen in a while. Okay. Because I mean, I do, I judge a lot of this just based on like, how good's your Bandcamp, you know? Uh-huh. And this one's really good because there's all of this space that you can put like liner notes. Yeah, well, you it know? seems really well written. It's really far. well written and it is expansive. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, in the age of remote collaboration, features can easily feel glued on. Yeah. Uh, the disparities in recording locales, artistic visions, and sensibilities sometimes compound inside each psychoacoustic detail to the point of disproportion. Voids makes clear, however, that one of Lapham's many talents is selecting contributors whose timbres and temperaments soak effortlessly into every atom of his sonic sculptures. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> wow. This is great copy. Yeah. Uh, and... Again, I I feel like first off, all of that is super true. When you're doing remote work, if you're not, I mean, first off, being in a different room than someone, yeah, I mean, like I'm an acoustics nerd. There, it it can sound wrong if you do stuff in different rooms. It'll oh, just absolutely. Like, it'll like even if it doesn't sound bad, even if you're both in nice rooms and it's nice, you're both in professional studios. It, they can both be nice sounds, but if they're just a little too different then there's just this unescapable uh, again like glued on feel yeah, to it yeah something can feel a little off and maybe like a listener wouldn't you know necessarily be able to put their finger on what it is yeah you know they might not be like this sounds like this solo was recorded on the other side of the country right like you know but but something will just feel a little it'll feel off yeah a little like splotched together and not um neatly knitted yeah, which is what I I really do like this track when you you take that into consideration. It doesn't sound like it was mismatched across stuff. It feels like it's a cohesive sound. Yeah. So I do think that like yeah, you're writing it in your in your profile, and you are correct. Like self props are correct here. <laughs> I mean, and also I think that uh, a lot of remote collaboration started happening because of pandemic. Not that the, it wasn't already happening across the yeah, world, uh, but, sending files you know. around, but it definitely has become a more popular way to work on music with people. And, uh, and I think that that it, it like, it, it's an interesting challenge to like, a lot of people don't even think about it. They're just, layering and going but it's an interesting challenge that arises i mean even i'm right now working on that collaboration that one beat thing with um someone that's in croatia and we realized we both have the same speakers yeah. um, and that was like few because our mixes are translating i mean our rooms are obviously going to be different but like i can i, I th- that's a huge part is like you're just listening through a different speaker and then every time we pass something back and forth, if it's going to be like an entirely different EQ yeah, that we keep yeah, yeah, yeah. layering on one another's tracks, that would be a <laughs> <That'd> be <laughs> major problem. Yeah. Uh, and then on collaboration, uh, he goes into the, we got a quote here. Uh, Sometimes there's a lot of back and forth before we get it right. And almost always there are unexpected turns in the process where it ends up being something very different from what we started with. I bring it all together, but the album exists because of their contributions. That's nice. That's really nice. Yeah, unexpected turns. I mean, I I personally think that all of the best moments 
I know that I've ever written, but I kind of have a theory that all the best moments ever written are are like little accidents. Little accidents. Like little... things have poured out that were planned that were, you know, and they come out nice, but the, the best the moments, best moments. Yeah. are accidents that were stumbled on and then we are then, you know, listening to it was like this is so much better than what was supposed oh, to be. Oh, I mean, there. I feel like that's I feel like there's like practice and repetition and necessary, uh, necessary. for being actually good, good. at things. Right. And that that gives you like the backbone and the yeah. skeleton of anything that you're doing, mm-hmm. and then I, because like I can I can, I can speak to this as like a a, a soloist. Yeah. Okay. Uh. So when I'm when I'm playing and when I'm soloing or I'm like you know ripping it up, there's like my, there's kind of like my baseline moves that are just from practice and repetition. I I can get to this point on the neck. And then I know this scale and this way to play it or like this approach. And those are, you know, good. And those provide the foundations of the moments. But all of my favorite moments in like a solo uh, and performing are when I deviate from like I get I'm so I'm backed up by the skeleton. Mm -hmm. But then you get lost in the sauce. Yeah. And that's like, oh, that moment. And then you have to find your way home. Right. Yeah, find it home. <laughs> Creatively. But that's, uh, you know, that's the that's the uncontrollable, the un, uh, unpredictable. That's what makes something great. You yeah, know? I, that, that I mean, that's, that's why yeah. I always, like, try to learn different instruments because I think that having, like, this bass as a musician, like, I, I, I know how to play a bunch of different instruments. I, you know, can play by ear and figure things out. Um, but I think that when I'm learning an instrument, I'm almost the most creative when I, when I have a full mastery over an instrument, I'm a little bit less creative because I'm not stumbling as much. And so it's, it's like very important to have mastery over some instruments, but then I think it's really fun to push yourself into these other boundary under other places where you're, you're going to make mistakes that are actually like much cooler than what was in your head. You can't find a new way home if you don't get lost yeah. in the first place. <laughs> All right, so... Gotta take a walk. There's a lot of walking that you wouldn't know it listening to the song because it sounds very... Super, super... Oh, yeah, composed. yeah. This is, like, very, very uh, expertly orchestrated and, you know, seems super planned out, but evidently the way that it gets there is through happy little accidents. Yeah. Uh, we then get a straight-up bio right in the copy. Uh, Lapham's music and visual art. Uh, he doubles as a video editor and animator. That makes sense. Really, you know, detail-oriented. Mm-hmm. Uh, and has made music videos for bands such as Goat, Throwing Muses. Oh, right on. Uh, Night Beats, Moon Duo, Jane Weaver, and many others. Uh, they're stitched with threads spun from the dissonance between his identity and the doggedly conservative cultural atmosphere in which he was raised, ventured away from by adulthood, and ultimately returned to in 2013. He left the dirt, and then he went back to the dirt. Wait, did he go back to being, like, conservative? Or just, no, like, it's living? Living amongst them. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's interesting. You the know, home. if you... Probably you gotta like take care of family. 
Yeah. And then the classic, like, I'm gone. And then it's like, ah, I got to go back. And right. now I'm here because it's hard to move. Uh huh. Oh, you know, and so every, every day that you get older, it becomes harder and harder to yeah. move. Yeah. So now he's stuck in the dirt again. Well, our hero. Oh, I mean, that's hero's journey, too. Like, mm-hmm. hero's journey, you, you know, you receive your call to action. Uh-huh. You go out, you adventure, but then you're called back. And that's where you face a like a, your strongest uh, your strongest adversary, which you narrowly survive, but you are victorious. But it takes all of your hero power to to do it, and then you're just stuck back where you were. Wait, so your strongest adversary is is the what? I think that usually here isn't hero's journey kind of like you face what would be actually a way harder enemy out in the world, like. Conquering right. reality, yeah, but, but, and you, the, but the it, actual, the internal strong, strongest battle is back at home when you on, upon return. Yeah, so I mean, the way that, that it is is that you're you face a technically stronger villain uh-huh. out in the world, but you defeat them easily. Uh huh. And then when you return back home, you face what should be an easy win, but that you narrowly escape with your life. Mm-hmm. So you actually you face your greatest challenge through a week and then and then you neurotic on down into like why didn't I, you know. Uh-huh. Why didn't I easily defeat this villain? <laughs> now I'm stuck in the dirt. Is her- Hero's Journey like a literary dev- what like what is it as a so Hero's Journey is uh, uh so it's both a literary device and like a spiritual theory. Okay, I, I think that it started as a literary dev- like a literary analysis, uh-huh. and then like a bunch of New Agers kind of went like, well, what if this was actually our- what because it is because it's a, it's a literary device because it stems from human experience. Right, art imitates life, imitates art, imitates life. Imitates life, life imitates... I think we did this on the last podcast. Yeah, oh, if we do it on every... something else. I think that I also... I mean, like, I I say... I talk about a few people that I shouldn't talk about, and I say, like, Hero's Journey every time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Scientology. So, the thing is... Uh, is, yeah, you're I mean, gonna do Louis C.K. I wasn't. I really wasn't go. Mind. I wasn't gonna do it. <laughs> I wasn't gonna do it. Okay. And I refuse. All right. I'm. Le- I'm not clapping off mic. Uh huh. And I'm not talking about that guy. He's learning, folks. Okay. Look at me learn. So he's back in the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh. As evidenced by the alternating apprehension and expansion on voids, Lapham wields his creativity as a covert weapon against his once and future surroundings, as if the act of creating something, anything, is in and of itself defiant of the cultural, structural, and even climatic deterioration of many West Texas towns. Across the album and through the concept of Old Fire as a project, he builds a mythical, noirish version of his home state and its wide open spaces painting these fictional narratives with the music i mean holy shit i love that he's back in the dirt because he is he's he's like full he's fully in the dirt right now yeah i mean it's i mean it sounds like the act of creating a thing in a town that is trying to die (laughs) (laughs) right and take you with it is it, like taking every inch of existence 
uh-huh. to, to make happen. <laughs> it's that that's quite a task. Um, did he write this? Do you know? It. I do believe he's writing all you of this. You should write a book. Yeah, he's a good writer. The, great writer. There is no better narrator for Lapham's story than fellow Texas resident Bill Callahan, whose iconic delivery personifies the core themes of Voids. By the time that Callahan appears, he does so over a saw-blade drone that sounds like machinery echoing off corrugated steel walls and out into infinity. In June, the red rose blooms. That's not the flower for me, Callahan intones on the album's reinterpretation of the traditional song when I was in my prime. Uh, before the hum breaks open into a loose yet pained confluence of violin and upright bass that recalls Joe Henderson's 1974 spiritual jazz album, The Elements. Like many on the album, the track dovetails seamlessly into the next, Corpus as Callahan resumes with a baritone recitation of an oblique yet vivid mantra, Hey, Mac, can you bring that boat back? There's just saw blades. There's a decay decaying steel. It's all there. He's thinking about all of it. Resonating into infinity. Resonating into infinity. It's so sad. Like... Every aspect of it. Texas is a wild state. It's all over the place. It's so big. I don't think people realize, unless they've driven through it, Texas is huge. It's so big. It's too It's too big. I mean, it's just like the climate changes so much as you're driving across it. There's like... I used to always think Texas was like a desert, but there's like, like lush green areas, yeah. and there's like you know more uh deserted areas but then there's like giant lakes yeah huge lakes the cities there's just like but it's it just goes and goes and you gotta hope that you didn't forget anything six miles back in a parking lot did we forget something no no i've just known several people i like i know someone that left a chihuahua in a parking lot in texas yeah (laughs) <laughs> well, they traveled with like four chihuahuas, okay, and then one of them, one chihuahua, one left chihuahua behind. left behind. They no did chihuahuas go left behind. They did go get the chihuahua. Well, I hope the so. Chihuahua the chihuahua, chihuahua wouldn't do so well on its own. Yeah, it was all right. It was hanging. Okay. Uh, final. I'm skipping over some of these. Are just like uh, I would call them spoilers for the album that isn't out yet. Uh, but in summation. Across voids, the same awareness of tragedy and loneliness is made palatable by the album's exciting and varied topography, like Texas, yeah, uh, which stands insubordinately against Lapham's real-life surroundings. The settlers who established West Texas towns like the one he calls home, Abilene, must have done so with a sense of hope despite the hostility of their surroundings. However inevitable the withering, Similar spirits speak through Lapham's work, and he welcomes them as fascinating old friends. That more than anything inspired a lot of what I try to express through old fire, faded memories, former glories, places lost in time, he discloses. Whatever I was trying to express wasn't finished with the first album, like a story that it was only half read. It seemed like that there was only the beginning, that there was a lot more ground to cover. If there is ground still uncovered for old fire after voids, 
it's sure to be lush in spite of, or perhaps because of, the dusty soil beneath it. So there's a previous album. There is a previous album, uh, which is called Songs from the Haunted South. And when did that come out? Impossible to tell. They've put it on and off of Bandcamp several times. It seems that they've done an old, like... I'm going to mix it again. I'm going to put it back up. There seems to be, like, it's currently off Bandcamp. Okay. The last time it was released was August 8th, 2022, and it is currently off again. I think that this is just Well, in the date right now, it's August... 15th. 15th. Okay, so recently taken down. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes you're in the dirt. He's back in the... That album has been s- that sucked. That album has been put back, back in the dirt. Into the dirt. But it, it'll resurface. I'm sure of it. Okay. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to Voids. Uh, I am a, a huge Bill Callahan stan, and I think that there are a lot of them out there, and y'all should be focusing your attention on this one because this is uh outside of being a really really great work in and of itself it's a very it's also an interesting setting for callahan's voice that you haven't heard on one of his records in quite a while it's segue time summer we're going into the b section it's the b section the b section so Voids is very, very, very sad. Mm -hmm. So I wanted, I kind of got thinking about the history of depression. (laughs) Uh, Okay, we're just thinking about sad stuff this week. Well, we're thinking, I I can't think of anything. We just read through that copy. You know, I hang out on the internet and I'm out in this world that we all share. And you know what? I just feel like everything's just so happy. We really need to be sadder. (laughs) Bring us down. This is fun. No, yes. this is going to be fun. No, of course it's uh, going to be fun. Because the history of depression is filled with humans and human character and human ideas. And guess what? It's pretty funny. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's a thing you know, that a lot of us musicians experience. The hit, uh, You know, there is the global history of depression and then there is like my personal history of depression. Are we talking about it all? Your personal. Well, it's just fun because it, it, it's really tied up in history and our sense of time. Uh, there are several thinkers that think of depression as the uh, the act of being unable to think of a future. And I like that's yeah. pretty good that's because cool. when you're in it, you know, when you're wrapped up uh-huh. and you're like, just give me another 10 hours of the same fucking show uh, that I've watched a billion times. I'm not thinking about what I'm going to do tomorrow. Yeah. I'm thinking about all the shitty things that I did uh, for the last 10 years. Uh, the My own little dirt farm that yeah. I've got going. Yeah. I mean, I think that I, I am pull myself when I can pull myself out of states like that. It's through having like goals and being oriented on some sort of future plan. Yes. You do and, have to start thinking about and not having that is. Yeah. Yeah. You start with little stuff. Yeah. What when if you're, I ate food? Right. Today? That's a, that's a plan. That's one plan. One 24 hour plan. New pants. Perhaps. Uh-huh. If I may be so bold. You've been changing a lot. I have. I'm, I'm making some You're wearing like different shirts every, every day. Every day making an effort summer. It's wild. Okay, so the his- so how long have we been 
referring to depression as depression. We have started. Well, we we've only been referring to it as depression for the last two hundred years. But the first idea of that's longer than I thought, actually. Huh. Uh, but the first time of someone going like this motherfucker is too sad uh, <laughs> are the Greeks. Wow. Okay. Uh, and they just had they just called them sads. Melancholia. Oh. Uh, melancholics, melancholia. Just like you're too sad, my good uh, Greek brother. Uh huh. Why are you like this? And they had thoughts. It's kind of. Uh, the first idea of a chemical imbalance, except it's uh it's humor related. Wait, what? Oh, the four humors. Okay. Uh, which is basically you know, every single human being has four juices inside of them. Uh-huh. Uh Those are what the humors are. Uh, blood. We've all got blood. Wait, is humor not like haha humor? It's no, like- no, no, no. Like the the science of the humors. I don't. Oh, cool. So, <laughs> uh, so the science of the humors is the idea that every single, and this is, this is the prevailing medical theory for all medical science up until germ theory, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, is the early 1800s. Okay. Okay. So for 2,000 years of human civilization, the basic medical framework was that you've got four kinds of juices inside of you, and all of the juices that you make are one of the four humors. Oh, wow. Red blood. Okay. Yellow bile. Okay. Black bile. Mm-hmm. And phlegm. No, phlegm isn't yellow Green. bile? Okay. Green. We've got red, yellow, black, and green. Those are the four juices. That pump through our body. I hate to be the one to bring this up, but I do believe there's one other juice, and I'm wondering how it's categorized. I also don't know what humor jizz is. Okay. <laughs> it's not in the list, because that, I mean, color-wise, it doesn't fit into one of those categories. I don't know if maybe it's not considered... But it would seem like one of the things that they would be thinking about. You would think that they would be thinking a lot more about jizz, mm-hmm. but they weren't. Okay. It just seems like they weren't. They like this was like a poof. secret juice okay. that they refused to, because all of they the other colors it. are accounted for. I mean, uh-huh. I'm happy that you went there because uh-huh. I was, I mean, I was reading this and I was like, but what about jizz? Right. My good, my good sir. But I was yeah. going to leave jizz out of it. But I do think that this is worthy of exploration because they would basically, they'd poke somebody and they go like, you got a lot of black goo this means you're like this. That's a lot of red blood. Uh, that's a lot of green phlegm. This is a lot of yellow uh-huh. pus. Uh, so, you know, and that that was kind of like the most undesirable, I think, was yellow. If someone was like overly yellow in Bad their news. humor, that that's the worst. No mention of jizz. Interesting. Very interesting. Because as we get later on in the history of psychology, there's a lot more jizz. Yeah, they get real jizz focused. Re- like we... too focused. Yes. So too focused. They need to go back sh- to the other the colors. Other way. Right. Okay. <laughs> gotta, uh, so it's kind of like a you know pre-medical idea of like a chemical imbalance, but it's just that you didn't have the right balance of juices. Did they uh, see what juice was off? Black. <laughs> if you had too much black bile, you were... Depressed. Melancholic. Melancholic. So black bile would 
spew from you or it was just known to be contained within you with it everyone has all four juices i mean it is depression is dark it's yeah. kind oh, of it's, like again we're thinking about the dirt farm quite a bit yeah uh-huh. you know oh i grew up in the dirt farm oh i gotta be in the dirt farm yeah it's where else am i gonna be the dirt farm it's dark it's black it's sad it's, it's devoid of color yes and that's what they you know someone would come in they go like oh, i can't you know i can't go to the toga party or whatever it is that we're doing I'm too sad. Mm-hmm. And they're like, too much black bile. Get the leeches. Was th- I was about to ask yeah, if there was leeches. a cure. It's, it's, all, it's leeches. Is it always leeches? It's always leeches. Is it 2,000 all- years of leeches? It's 2,000 years of leeches. Man, that's a real bummer. Yeah. Man, I know that we don't quite have it figured out still. And like, we don't <laughs> we do have, have a- to appreciate great. that we've. Yeah. Yeah. I just am glad that no one has leached me so far. I mean, to go from 2,000 year, years of leeches to. T- just 200 years after that and we're into you know like eh we gotta slightly tweak the you know super targeted gene therapy yeah that's pretty sweet yeah i mean that's pretty sweet it's pretty it's it's not a leech it's like the opposite of depression you know (laughs) we could go we could look back at it and go like ah actually it has gotten quite a bit better quite faster okay so it's cruising along cruising along cruising along cruising along melancholy melancholy uh and then we get into uh you know kind of like the renaissance and we go from and no one's depressed uh, everyone's partying no 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 no, no. Oh. there's still melancholy people okay. okay but but what's shifting is the idea of like what our purpose on earth is uh and as we go from feudalism to mercantilism into capitalism guess what your purpose is to work bitch so you are just sad because you lack the gumption to get up and work what was your purpose before to just kind of like be like a floaty spiritual being that doesn't like i mean it's to work but you're a like a surf uh-huh. you're you're slave and you make the king happy, and you live for 20 years. Okay. Still sounds bad. Oh, no, it's bad, but you're not depressed. Uh Uh-huh. You're melancholy. You're melancholy. Well, uh, well, the people that were being diagnosed as melancholy were, you know, kings, princes. Okay. So it's a a classic case of everyone gets, it's not the fame that you want. Famous people are sad, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're melancholy. Yeah. So- uh, the, uh, <laughs> whiskey is melancholy. Your dog is being melancholy Real melancholy there. in the corner. Uh, the, uh, so, yeah, the analysis of who is sad for the first, like, 1,400 years in the history of sad is geared towards, you know, warlords and shit. The uh, history people of sad. right. are just, you know, <laughs> dead uh so once we shift into okay you're not a surf you're not just like the disposable body bag for a king you're your own individual you've got your own money okay Uh so now we have to start thinking about how you're sad okay (laughs) and they are sad because they're not working hard enough 
rich people are still sad because they don't have enough yellow bile. Black. Uh, no, no, no. They have too much black bile. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's an imbalance of the humors. Of the bile. Okay. Yeah, so they've got a chemical imbalance. Everyone else just needs to uh, work a little harder. Okay. Which then we move from kind of like that early industrial into general German enlightenment uh, where we have, uh, I believe it is Johann Christian August Heinroth, born 1773, oh, I do died believe. 1843, uh-huh. German physician, uh, famous for coining the term psychosomatic. So, you know, conversion disorder, uh-huh. you uh, are, you know, you're thinking a thing and it's making you feel ill. Uh, he saw that depression existed within people, but the cause of it was sinning. Oh, he went sin. He went sin. Mm, All right. I was like, I was on board. I was like, this dude's going to, you know, break some boundaries. He's on his way to like figuring it all out. He just, sin. He just sin. Yeah, it's you get the reason you're depressed is because you're weighed down by the weight of your sins oh, and you're thinking about them a lot. And again, like we're we're getting into like okay, so you're you're bogged down by memory, you're not thinking right. about the future, but the reason that you keep thinking about the past is cuz all those sins that you did. Oh, so close. Okay, Very so close. the cure is repentance. Yeah. Repent, repent, repent. Repent, repent. Repent, repent. Uh-huh. Die. Okay. Yeah. So not great. Not great. Maybe not working for all of his patients. So where we start to get into the modern view of depression uh, into the, like, you know, 20th century, Freud. Our favorite cokehead. I have learned so much, and it rules. Okay. Okay. Uh, Because, you know, we know, like, okay, penis envy... Oedipal complex, the cocaine stuff, uh, cigars. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he did some other stuff too. <laughs> tell me. <laughs> I mean, I, I think isn't he the id? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. In like, the ego, unconscious. Yeah. Ego. Oh, for the sure. Iceberg, but but the, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. But the thing is, is that those are all. It was railing lines and spitting ideas. You know, right. some of them were good, some of them were a little weird. Right. We've we've got an unconscious desire, the death drive, uh, all of that stuff. But they're all just basically based on like coming. Uh, this is where we go from Too from jizzy. the to. J- this is the transfer uh-huh. from humors to jizz. Well, they ignored one fluid for way too for two thousand years. Freud so thought about he had this to a put lot. all of yeah uh, because all of these uh, the unconscious like the the unthinking mind uh-huh. was mostly driven to jerk off. That's like that's the, the conclusion. That's the conclusion of like okay, the reason that you're thinking this, the reason that you're dreaming this, the reason that. You know, your unconscious is taking over your, you know, your present physical desires or your mental desires is because unconsciously you would like to be jerking off right now. And that is, that's fine. It's the good habit if you're a man. <laughs> that was Freud. <laughs> yes. <That> was his... <laughs> uh, and it is important to note that it's uh, uh, because what's funny is that Freud has the the penis envy thing. Right. But if anything, Freud suffered from orgasm envy, 
because uh, the fact that women can have multiple orgasms. He like, really through, didn't he like that. didn't like it because he was like, I'm stuck with my with one, one, maybe lovely. two, on a, you know, one in a nap. Uh, and, uh-huh. and he was like. <laughs> He's like, I can get so many more in without a nap. <laughs> this is ridiculous. They can just keep going. We should. I, I He was like, we should be jerking off, which like props, uh-huh. but like once a day. Come on. Come on, ladies. He thinks ladies should only do it once a day. Well, he thinks that everyone once a should day. jerk off once a day because he can jerk off once a day. But if anyone dare jerk off more, then they're hysterical. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of there's a lot of jerking off. There's a lot of it's just, so like humors and hysterical. It's just funny because it's like so, right, haha. Yeah, both of these sound like haha, but they're like nah. they're not haha. Oh, it gets pretty not haha. Okay, okay. So the thing that I want to focus in on Freud here, uh, and this is this is all through his exploration of neurosis and depression what makes us sad his theory is like not enough or too much jerking off basically Mm -hmm. or the manner in which we would like to or what we would like to be thinking about while jerking while jerking off yes uh and and that's like kind of like the, the core thing and he has a really great buddy story that lasts 20 years okay and it is with uh, uh, Wilhelm Fleiss, uh-huh. who is a uh, ENT. Okay, uh-huh. uh, so and he's really into the nose. All right, he's a big nose guy. And Wilhelm Fleiss. You know who else is a pretty big nose guy? Who is a big nose guy? Freud, because he liked to. Right. Oh, with his th- nose. No, that's 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 exactly <laughs> where we're going. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So, Fleiss was an ENT, and sometimes you know you get to you get to know something, and then you kind of make it your theory for everything. It's kind of the history of men. All right. So <laughs> kind of is. <laughs> <laughs> so Fleiss and Freud are besties, and it cannot. It cannot be stressed enough about how good of friends these two men were for 20 years uh, to the point that eventually a thing happens and Freud goes, like, burn all of my correspondence with Fleiss. Uh, oh, like, does it get a little sexy? It, there's there's just there's stuff that happens. Okay. And, and he's like, uh, delete this from my bio, these 20 years. And then one of his, like, one of Freud's uh, big stands, uh, like the daughter of Napoleon, was like, I love you, Freud. But these letters are too good. We're keeping them forever. <laughs> we're we're uh, we're holding on to this history. I think it's important. So, Fleiss discovered that there is the same kind of tissue in the nose as the penis, oh. and it's erectile tissue. And there, it's in other parts of the body too. It just can like you know stiffen. Okay. So Fleiss discovered this. And went the nose and the dick are the same, right? They okay. are they share uh-huh. a connection, so dick nose we that old can dick nose the pipeline. Old, uh, yeah, and it's called like the nasal sexual nasal erogenous connection, something like that. But his theory is that they connect to each other, 
and that if you affect the nose, you'll affect the dick. Your and nose then, is like a dick voodoo doll. Yeah, it's like a dick voodoo doll. And then Freud was like, incredible, because I think that the dick does all of the stuff. So the nose is actual is also a way to do all the stuff. And we could do stuff to the nose without having to touch my dick. Uh-huh. Maybe so, he could come more than once a day? Well, he would just like nose, to become less stuff? neurotic. So Fleiss does surgeries on Freud's nose all of the time. He's just in there, like, poking it, prodding it, cutting stuff off. Po- like, ooh, like, what if we did this? Are you less horny, Sigmund? And and he's like, no, still horny. Uh, let's- Wait, he wants to be less horny? He wants to be less neurotic about it. Okay. Or or just like better at it. We don't really know. But we just know that this man is just digging in Freud's face like all of the time. He's, He's just doing, doing like nose jobs? Like nose jobs weren't a no, thing. No, then, no, right? no, no, no. Not reshaping the nose. Uh-huh. Like opening up his like this is fucking turn of the century, like nasty, like just like we open up the face and we just like take something out. Uh-huh. We're we're just kind of guessing. Cause you got all this boner tissue in your nose. And uh-huh. what if we just like took some of it out? Okay. What if? You know, there's a lot of guessimes. Uh, there isn't like a like a handbook. Uh-huh. And Freud is just like the pincushion experiment for it's like just kind of like a twenty year are you tw- feeling it now, Mr. Krabs kind yes. of situation. And then this is where the cocaine comes in because the theory is that like all of this nasal tissue is connected to the dick. So because it's a numbing agent, if we just do a bunch of coke, then Maybe I'll numb my dick. Why would you want to numb your dick? Because he just wants to be doing stuff all the time. Okay, and that's and just like, disrupting the day. It's disrupting the day. Uh-huh. Which, uh, also during this time, super side note, uh, Carl Jung starts a rumor that Freud is banging his wife's sister, and I just think that's fun. Okay. Well, is he? There's, like, mixed theories on it Uh but it is important to note that it was a rumor started by like his psychologist rival hell yeah yeah love that because i I just love this shit Uh uh-huh so he's he's just getting like weird nasal experimental surgeries and he's doing lots of coke and then in like 1903 uh he's got a patient who is a lady and she is jerking off too much hmm that whole right. more than once a day. That whole more than once a day. He does not like that. Doesn't like it. It's like, I, I think he would be a fine, upstanding woman if you just stopped jerking off. And she's like, I can't. <laughs> I can't. It's great. <laughs> so uh, he goes, okay. But she's like, I'm crazy. And he's like, well, you're crazy because you're jerking off all the time. Uh-huh. Uh, Is she depressed? She, Oh, she's depressed, uh, probably has manic depression, Uh okay? But he's like, I think that what's making it happen is all this jerking off. Uh. And, you know, she's just like, you're the only person that I talk to for whatever weird reason, uh, and I don't want to stop jerking off. And he's like, okay, I think that I know a guy that can help you out. So he refers her to Fleiss, who does a nose surgery and completely caves in half of her face. No. Yeah. Oh, my God. And leaves a full cotton swab in her face. Oh. And it becomes insanely infected. I would imagine. She almost dies. 
goes to Freud and and says like, uh, I still love you, daddy. <laughs> Uh-huh. And continues okay. being a patient for like after her face has fallen out. Yeah, and uh, also sh- she's still jerking off. Uh, but so she's like, ah, I'm not cured, and then continues to be a patient of Freud's, and then becomes a psychoanalysis uh, uh, analyzer. She w- she becomes a therapist. Oh man, yeah. Not to okay. It's just right. I'm not a, lot, a Scientologist, and I'm, and you know I think that therapy helps a lot of people. But I have noticed that some of the people I know that go into it are in a similar. It takes one to know one. Right. It takes one to know one. Summer. Uh-huh. So maybe that's good. So okay. So she's doing it. She's doing it. She's she's diagnosing. Also. This the whole like caving in someone's face and leaving the gauze uh-huh. in their face doesn't cause Freud to disown Fleiss. Fleiss disowns disowns Freud. <gasps> uh, really? Yeah. A couple years after that, uh, Fleiss gets really paranoid and thinks that uh, Freud has been leaking his medical research into the Dick Nose connection. How and, dare he? How dare he? And and the thing is that people have been like. Going like, ha 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 ha, you're fucking crazy. That's stupid, you know? Like within his medical field. Oh, uh, like it was his life's work. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 uh-huh. yeah. And then he's like, this is all my friend Freud's fault. And uh-huh. so he disowns him. Oh, man. There's also a working theory that around this time, Freud was starting to develop his whole, like, I think that one of the reasons that people are neurotic is because they were molested. Uh, like theories. Yeah, people are pretty sure that Fleiss was uh, doing a molest to other to to, to his children. Oh yeah. no! So it's kind of like right around this time he's like, I don't want you poking around my brain. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh okay. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> this is the history mm-hmm. of how we think about how brains work. Okay. And it is mostly centered around two crazy men just like doing coke at each other and thinking about how noses and dicks are the same. Right. Okay. So then uh, we. The DSM, we get that going. We get some diagnoses. We get some new understanding of SSRIs or. Um, is that where this story leads? That is where it goes. I mean, it's basically, you know, we, we form like a, you, you have to do experiments is uh-huh. the thing. And the, the, the history, the early 20th century is just like the funnest, funniest, like libertarian example of this. Yeah, they were, and, and I mean, they get, were at the same time, ding, 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 you know, lobotomizing up the nose as well. Lobotomies come later. Oh, it does. It does. Lo- lobotomies are like the 50s. That's so. Yeah, it's very bad. <laughs> That's so bad. Yeah, it's bad. No, we don't get to like the the journey from like cocaine dick nose like uh uh there is like a cuz <laughs> there was like a Freud uh someone challenged him on his because it goes like uh the first thing you do is you become like sexually activated through your mouth because you're sucking on your mom's tit and then your second one is your asshole and then 
we move into like your genitals. He was like, "It's your asshole." Is the is the is the progression? And uh-huh. someone was like, "Okay, all right, we're we're just gonna be like, I'm gonna be real chill about this." But here's an entire culture of people in Australia, and they don't do butt stuff at all, uh-huh. Freud. Like, you kind of have to account for that. You can't just go like it's all the butt. And his reply was, what, do they not have assholes? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And And if you're not doing butt stuff, you're depressed. That's where we are. And then we get into lobotomies. That's part of his theory? Oh, yeah, that's part of it. It's not just about the one a day. It's oh, it's not just the one the of the day. It's also about the butt. Huh. Yeah. He was really into butt stuff. He was really into butt stuff. Interesting. Yeah. Or, no, 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 He wasn't into butt stuff. It was just that he noticed that when people... Did butt stuff, they were pretty happy? Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't help but notice. Interesting. Or, or that um, when people were repressing their urge to do butt stuff... Mm. That is when, again, this is kind of like the, it's like the the opposite of the sinning thing, where it's like, oh, you've done so many sins and you're obsessed with it, so that's what's holding you back. He's like, you're, we're a little more libertine here. It's your your repressed butt stuff desire is uh, is a sin against the human body, so therefore you're sad. So, wait, did he want them to do butt stuff or not? He wanted them to not repress it. So he wants them to he do butt stuff. He wants them to do butt stuff. All right. Yeah. Progress. Progress. That's, sounds like progress to me. That <laughs> sounds like human progress. Then we get into the American Psychological Association. We have a whole history of like enlightened humanist psychologists. That's where we get into like uh, uh, Hegel's, uh, what is it, uh, Pyramid of Needs. Uh mm-hmm. You know, where it's just kind of like, okay, we don't want to just like work all the time. Yes, Maslov. Sorry. Maslov? Maslov. (laughs) You're right. Who's Heigl? Heigl is a like a socialist theoretician. (laughs) They kind of. How do they cross over? They like, they do, they reference each other. Okay. Yeah. It's a similar, you know, like, if you like this, you might like this. Ah. Yeah. Suggested for. Yeah. Uh, so we we move on into, like, hierarchy of needs. We're, like, we're sad because of the way that, like, the world treats us a little bit and also because of the way that our brains are. Uh, and then we start to get into, like, uh, you know, like, uh, maybe we fix our brains. Not by... Doing nasal surgery. Though, in the last 10 years, there was a, in 2013, there was a worldwide survey of, like, who's the most depressed? And it was uh, Afghani people, which uh, might, in 2013, might not be, depression might not be the uh, the problem. Yeah. Yeah. How do they phrase these yeah, survey yeah, yeah, questions? Yeah. Are you sad? <laughs> Are uh, your humor's feeling off balance there? Uh-huh. My uh, my Afghani friend. Uh, and then, like two weeks ago, and this isn't to say that anyone should change anything, but there was a very, 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 very wide-reaching uh, scientific survey uh, study uh, that uh, 
your serotonin, having how much of it you have doesn't make you happy or sad. What? Yep. What about dopamine? Oh, dopamine makes you happy. Okay. Serotonin. So basically the... But, uh, uh, so aren't all SSRIs trying to yeah, treat serotonin s- imbalance? Yeah, and then yeah. there's a study that says that that doesn't actually yeah. affect yeah. your mood? Yeah. Well, then why did we do that for a while? Well, because so, that gets kind of into the problem of... so. I know there's a lot of like placebo effects. There's a lot of placebo effect, and also that isn't to say this is not medical advice. No, but I we're two idiots. We're two idiots. This is not medical advice, allegedly. Uh, But the thing is that just because the primary action of an SSRI is acting on serotonin doesn't mean that it's uh, that it could have other actions within your system Uh. that are helpful but we just don't know what it is the abs yeah the absence or presence or over presence of serotonin has no uh like uh repeatable effect on if you have depression or not what's serotonin doing uh yeah they don't know and and that's kind of the problem like one of the problems with like over prescribing (laughs) is that you go like doc i'm sad and they're like oh take this and they don't like test your blood to see if you have like too much serotonin uh-huh. uh they just go like ah eh, probably <laughs> right that's not great it seems because you could you could test you can test you could test uh-huh you could test which is science yeah otherwise you might just be two dudes thinking poking around you in, your, in your boner nose mm. well that's nice that's a nice summary. So, I mean, let's all let's bring it back to West Texas. <laughs> let's bring it home, baby. Bring it home. <laughs> so let's bring these cows back. You're to sad. You're in. You're in an environment that's out of your control. You are where you are, and life has acted upon you. However, it's going to act upon you, and it might make you sad. That could be your natural reaction to your uh, your brain chemistry and your environment. But you can choose to take all of those things and synthesize them into an absolutely perfect artistic rendering of the human spirit. And that's good. That is good. You've added something good to the world, both in your little patch of land and... All over the internet. Well, right now it's one song, so I want to hear we're the ready other for eleven. This whole, whole, whole shebang. Um, this has been I Don't Heart Radio. If you are listening to this on Apple Podcasts, give it a five star, my five friend. Five stars. Give it the review. I, it takes like one second, and it it shoots you to the top. Just of say the it's good. Charts. Just shoot us to that. Shoot us to that top. Give me the tippy top. Um, then we can do it more. You know. There will be more. Yeah, we'll we'll do extra bonus episodes. We'll do more frequently. Um, we know people like it and are listening. You know, we we won't stop. <laughs> so that's cool. Um, give it that review. Give it. Uh, r- I think you can rate it on Spotify. Can you rate it on Spotify? 
Yeah. You could do something. You could do something. Do something. You could put it in a follow. playlist. You follow. Can, you can follow. You could definitely hit the follow. Hit that, smash that follow. You, could, um, you can find the podcast on Instagram at I Don't Heart Radio Pod. And if you have a band or a musician who has music coming out that we should be covering, we should know about, that isn't getting uh, as much press as they are deserving, please email it to I Don't Heart Radio Pod at gmail.com. Subject line Boner Nose. Boner Nose. Um, you can find us too on Instagram. I'm at summer like the season music. And I am at a ton of underscore mastering. Um, and we are also playing a show. We play in a band called summer like the season. We have three shows coming up. Um, you can catch us on August 20th. That's this Saturday at PJ's logger house in Detroit. We'll be in New York and in Pittsburgh coming up in September. We're really excited to announce those dates. We haven't been over East coast world in a long, long time, time and we love it over there. So Pittsburgh is going to be on, uh, September 16th. And New York is going to be on September 17th at Berlin. Um, you can Pittsburgh's get those tickets. at Collision. Oh, okay. Pittsburgh at Collision. New York at Berlin. Um, you can get... I know with New York, there's a ticket link out there. It's going to be in the Instagram bio. Um, it's going to be on Cafe Berlin's website. Is it Cafe Berlin? No, that's another no, place. That's, that's in Missouri. That's in Missouri. Just Berlin. Berlin. It's going to be on Berlin's website. We're playing with awesome bands, uh, Atlas Engine, Monograms. I'm really excited for that show. Uh, it's been, we ha- we put this new record out in September of last year. It's been out for almost a year, and we haven't made it to the East Coast yet. We've done a tour of the, you know, a huge tour across America, a few of them. And we've gone the other direction both times. So we're really excited to see our friends. We're going to cap there. off the year of album on the How could you be so bad?